Welcome to the Science Update Podcast. I'm Bob Hershon, and this is the podcast for October 25th, 2013. The Science Update Podcast is produced by AAAS, advancing science, serving society. Think of an underwater bobcat where we can actually dig, excavate, and analyze, photograph any type of archaeological underwater artifact. They have this reproductive strategy so that the offspring have the highest success rate possible. What we're developing is a device that'll provide an eye-in-the-sky capability to get more visibility of the surroundings around the autonomous surface craft. Over the years, the vessel changes, becomes a living organism. This week, could old ships create new habitats for fish? An ocean quadcopter that's giving researchers a sky-high view of the stormy North Atlantic. And the untimely death of the octopus. But first, Suzanne Bard tells us about autonomous underwater vehicles that search for sunken treasure. In the 18th century, the king of Spain wanted to remarry. His bride-to-be demanded jewels from the New World. Unfortunately, a hurricane off the coast of Florida had other plans for 11 out of the 12 ships in the Spanish fleet that were carrying the jewels to Europe. The ships went down with vast amounts of treasure. Today, ocean engineer Stephen Wood and his team are testing an underwater vehicle that could help archaeologists search for the lost artifacts. I caught up with him at the Oceans 13 conference in San Diego, California. Basically, the best analogy of this is think of an underwater bobcat. We can actually dig, excavate, and analyze, photograph any type of archaeological underwater artifact. You can pick up things, 200 pounds of weight. We can pick up and move objects. You'll have the maneuverability of moving it around nice and easily. Attached to it on the top is the standard ROV, remotely operated vehicle. He says the project teaches his students valuable engineering skills with the added excitement of searching for sunken treasure. Thanks for that report, Suzanne. Monitoring icebergs that threaten offshore oil rigs or studying bird populations in the stormy North Atlantic is dangerous work. But engineers are designing remotely operated quadcopters, pint-sized helicopters with four rotors that can withstand powerful winds while taking high-definition photographs and gathering data at sea. Nick Kruglikoff of Memorial University in Newfoundland heads the project. He says the quadcopters, which measure less than a foot in diameter, take off from autonomous ocean vehicles, which serve as miniature aircraft carriers. What we're developing is a device that'll provide an eye-in-the-sky capability to get more visibility of the surroundings around the autonomous surface craft, because the visibility may not be very good at the water level. He says the ocean quadcopter could also be used in search and rescue operations. Next, Suzanne answers a listener's question. A listener wrote us to ask if it's true that octopuses die after they reproduce. I spoke with aquarist Kylie Washer of the Birch Aquarium in La Jolla, California. She says that once a female lays her eggs, she holes up in her den and doesn't eat for months. Which causes her metabolism to slow down a lot, so the eggs will hatch right around the time that she'll either die by starvation or by predation from some other animal. And they're not taking any food that the new offspring might need for development and for growing. So the thought behind it is that they have this reproductive strategy so that the offspring have the highest success rate possible because there's no competition within their same species. Washer says males die soon after they reproduce as well. She adds that once they hatch, octopus larvae are left to fend for themselves. Juvenile octopuses from day one are 
pretty self-sufficient because they have no one protecting them, no one guarding them. They're on their own. And so they have to be survivors in order to make it. But she says very few make it in the end. Thanks, Suzanne. The HMCS Yukon lies 100 feet below the surface in the waters off the coast of San Diego, California. But the Canadian warship wasn't sunk in battle. Instead, it's been turned into an ecologically friendly artificial reef, now home to thousands of animals. This according to California Ships to Reefs Vice President Dean Reverts. Warships are the best because they're heavier construction. The hulls are thicker, the plating's thicker, they last longer uh, because they're built to withstand things like gunfire and torpedoes and things. He says once the ship has been obtained, all toxic materials are meticulously removed, as well as the copper electrical wiring. Virtually all the wire on a ship has to be taken out. Copper is valuable. Miles of wire would be taken off a ship. And once the insulation is removed, which can contain toxics, that wire can be sold as scrap and that money used to mitigate the cost of the reefing. We would do as much work as we possibly can with volunteers as far as those things that are not technically complicated. After that, large holes are cut into the ship. This is for access by divers and also by fish. We want the fish to be able to go in and out, other critters to be able to go in and out, where they can establish breeding populations. Almost immediately when the vessel hits the bottom of the ocean, a layer of calcium carbonate forms on the steel. That not only gives a foundation for the other things to latch on and start growing, it also protects the steel. Over the years, the vessel changes, becomes a living organism, and eventually, if everything goes correctly, Even after the steel has deteriorated, the organisms remain and the shape of the reef will maintain itself for a much longer time than the steel actually lasts. He says the Yukon and other ships are helping reestablish fish species that have been depleted across their natural range. Well, that's our show for this week. Next week, what can our companion animals tell us about our own health? And a citizen science project that's pretty batty. Until then, tune into the Science Update Podcast Daily Edition every day, Monday through Friday. You can find it on our website, scienceupdate.com, or at iTunes. You can also check out Science Update's fan page on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. And if you have a science question, give us a call at 1-800-WHY-IS-IT. If we use your question, we'll send you a Science Update mug. Thanks for listening. I'm Bob Hershon for AAAS, the Science Society.